In this podcast, I talk with Zach Blankensop, a Navy veteran from Nashville, Tennessee. He's an entrepreneur, the creator of the craziest roofing ad campaign, and his Twitter bio says it all. A general contractor and a guy who goes viral once every two years. Had a great time with this truly patriotic man, and I really hope that you'll enjoy this one. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and if you want to see my pretty face, then on YouTube as well. Also, consider going to patreon.com slash ketocubist and supporting my work. K-E-T-O-K-U-B-A-S. Thank you for being awesome and allowing me to have the best job in the world. Peace. First of all, thank you so much for agreeing to come on here. Yeah. Um, I need to apologize to the previous guests because I've never been this excited for a podcast. So, <laughs> so yeah, thanks. And yeah, uh, you've done a lot of cool shit. I can't wait to talk about it, see how your brain works, stuff like that. So sure. firstly, thank you for your service. Um, you're the first veteran that I'm going to properly talk to. Um, okay. So yeah, why not uh, just start there? So what made you want to choose this path? Uh, and when did you decide you want to serve for your country? Well, first off, I want to tell you, I am fired up about being on a podcast in Lithuania. I've got a, we got a lot of friends to travel. And uh, one of my buddies in particular actually spent a lot of time in Lithuania. Um, he's He was in NFL Europe for a little while and always uh, has great things. That I, I, I literally... Uh, last time he went, I was just like checking out his pictures and stuff. So I'm, I'm can't wait to do my my start doing my trips to Eastern Europe. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I uh, you know, growing up in the U.S., I think there's um, particularly where I live at, uh, where, I, where I'm from in the U.S., there's uh, a sense of uh, doing your part and serving your country. You know, because we have all volunteer service in the U.S. You know, so it's not uh, anything that you have to do. And I think this probably falls in line a lot in you know, European countries as well, is that uh, not all of us who actually served in the military like choose it as a path of least resistance because we got you know, in trouble with something or we couldn't you know, get a college education or anything like that. A lot of us just join because we, we, we want to serve our country. We want to um, you know, kind of do our part. And so that was, for me, that was, a, that was a big thing. So you, although when I was in high school, I never thought I was going to join the military. And then I was in, I was in my first year of college. I was working 60 hours a week, going to school full time. It was hard. Um, and I started looking at some, perhaps some other avenues for my career. And at the time, the Army commercials, I, I don't know if you've, you've ever seen the U.S. Army commercials. It was, uh, I think it was Be All You Can Be was the slogan back then. And, uh, but a lot of, a lot of their, a lot of their marketing and their, a lot of their advertising and their commercials were also pushing that you get education while you're in the military. So um, I thought that might be a great way for me to make some money, for me to travel and get an education and serve my country all at the same time. So that was a big push for me. That's at the end of the day is why I, I decided to join. And at the time we were we were at war with, in both Iraq and Afghanistan. So. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the most popular thing to do at the time, uh, just because of the danger involved. But I'm I'm glad I served during wartime. So when was it that you joined joined the military? So I joined in July of 2004. Got it. Um, yeah, it sounds like uh, yeah, it made it made sense for you. But you served uh, in the navy. Why is that? Why this specific branch? Well, to, so in the in the U.S. we have Army. 
Air Force, Navy, and Marine Corps. That's our four. And then I guess you can count the, Air, the Coast Guard. Uh, and I guess we're coming up with the Space Force. I don't know. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, what's funny is I, so I actually walked into the, my, my cousin that signed up with the Marine Corps. And I had a lot of my friends from high school go to join the Marine Corps. And I originally had walked into the Marine Corps recruiting office. And the recruiter was, because um, I was, so I was in college. So I was like 19 at the time. I felt like I had, you know, a lot to, lot to offer. I was an athlete in school and, uh, you know, I felt like I was a pretty smart guy. So I felt like I was, you know, a, a good candidate for the military. And the recruiter that was there was just a total douchebag. I don't know if that translation works, but he was just, uh, he was a jerk. The guy that was, but it turns out that he was not even the main recruiter. He was just there helping for a little bit. Um, but he, he totally turned me off in the Marine Corps, the recruiter. And it's just like, uh, it's like if somebody that's trying to sell you something, they're trying to sell you a uh, career path. And I didn't like him too much. He was, like I said, he was kind of a jerk. And the Navy office just happened to be right next door. And I went and talked to the recruiter there. And he was a lot, a lot more senior rank. He was, a, he was a senior chief versus he, in the U.S. military. We had E1 and E9 for enlisted ranks. And the Navy guy was at E8. The other guy was at E5. So he had a lot more years in service and he was he was he was just cool you know he was laid back and he sold me on the navy you know and i felt like the navy had a lot of opportunities for me overall but i was going to join the marine corps i was uh, like that's what i was going to join if, if it would have been for you know having a jerk recruiter do you have any regrets for not uh, choosing a different path or no because i i actually ended up going to Afghanistan to do a boots on ground tour back in 2010. Uh, so I still got to do, uh, I got to do a lot of things in my career that a lot of people get a chance to do. I got to, you know, I started off my career on submarines. Um, so I got to travel a lot doing that as well. And then you get to you get to go on submarines, which is, you know, a, in itself is, is something that, you know, most human beings will never do and uh, live underneath the ocean. So it's a, it's a unique experience. And I, like I said, I still got to volunteer and go serve in Afghanistan on a boots on ground tour where I was toting a rifle and going outside the wire and stuff like that. So I still got a chance to do that part of the job. So I was, uh, I was pretty happy about that. Yeah, you've done so much in, I mean, quite a short time period. Like, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that is cool. How long did you stay in Afghanistan? So I was there for 13 months total. Uh, and, and I assume you got to see combat in Afghanistan. Yeah, I got to see a little bit. I was uh, I started off my first six months doing um, convoy operations. So we were going out. Basically, what we really were at the end of the day was a uh, glorified taxi service. Uh, so if you were a high-ranking official and you needed to go to another base um, for training or uh, for whatever reason, we would. Uh, we would take we would take around these like VIP type of people around the city in these upper armored SUVs, and it's almost like we were you know kind of like Secret Service in a way, you know, because we had these you know blacked out you know suburbans that were um, like of course they had armor on and stuff like that, so they were these uh, up armored suburbans that we were taking out in Toyota Highlanders, and uh, so it was a pretty cool it was a pretty cool job to do for over six months, and then. Um, we were short for counterinsurgency instructors, so I left Kabul, which was the capital, went down to Helmand Province and taught 
counterinsurgency. You know, I actually, um, I actually taught a class to a group of Lithuanians. Oh, really? Yes. So yeah. what, what a lot of people don't know is that Afghanistan had like 32 other, 31 or 32 other NATO countries outside of the U.S. in Afghanistan. And I remember I was approached about teaching them because I'd been out a lot, been outside the wire a lot. And they were wanting uh, just a few classes on certain operations. And, and then I, I was kind of a, uh, I almost called myself an expert, but I was very knowledgeable and wrote a few classes about Afghan history, um, you know, kind of how the Taliban, you know, got into Afghanistan. And I thought it was very, you know, they were very interested in that. So anyway, I, uh, I go and I agree to do the class. And it was like, uh, you know, like probably a four-hour block I spent with those guys. And I remember walking in to teach the class and the average height, because I'm like, I'm like 5'10. So in in, 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 in meters, I'm like 1.8. So I'm, I'm like average height in the U.S. And I remember walking into the classroom and like every dude was like 6'2 plus, like just big, like what, like what I think about is like big, like, tr- like traditional, um, like, Eastern Europe strongman, just like these big, massive guys. And I'm like, holy shit, like some of you guys need to be in the NFL. Like they're like there's these huge people. And I and I remember I remember being a little intimidated because I wasn't I wasn't accustomed to going somewhere and being like a little guy. Cause I yeah. work out a lot and stuff. You know, I was like, you know, I was like I was like, you know, close to I was like probably, you know, 90, 90 kilos, um, you know, 1.8 meters. And I spent a lot of time in Latin America and stuff. I'm a big guy there. And that was, I was, it was kind of intimidating to walk in and see how many like large Lithuanian men were in there. I was like, okay. So yes, yeah, so that was that going for us. I mean, uh, personally, I'm like six feet tall and I've just yeah. spent a couple of years in the UK and I've noticed everybody well, like way smaller than me, but, mm-hmm. but right, but right now I'm in Lithuania and I'm noticing that I'm like below average height, <laughs> like <laughs> other guys are way taller. I'm, I was used to being always the shortest guy here. Yeah, and, and then I go to another country and like, everybody's looking up to me. Like that's, that's so gnarly feeling. You but need yeah. to go to, uh, you need to visit like Latin America. You need to go down to you know Mexico and South and you'll, the same way in like, you know, in Southeast Asia, you'll just tower over everyone. Because uh, I think I think the average, uh, I was actually reading an article about this last night, the average height in the UK right now for men are, is five foot nine. So it's just, you know, an inch smaller than they are, than what our average height is in the US. Yeah, that's cool. That's quite a bit of crossover with Lithuanian culture. Yeah. Um, when are you planning to come over here? Well, I want to, so I, I travel a lot in my, uh, so I've kind of built my company where I can travel more, more than to be in the U.S. And uh, so I want to do all of, my, my goal is to do, I want to do every country in the world. So I want to do all of the Americas first, um, just because it's a hell of a lot cheaper to get to country to country than it is to get to continent to continent. Because once you're, once you're somewhere, you can travel fairly, you know, inexpensively, you have you know that. And uh but you know the thing about it, what's great about Europe is, and I and I haven't spent a lot of time in Europe, uh, is you guys have train systems and stuff that's you can travel very inexpensively. It's quick. Uh, like here, we have to fly everywhere, and uh, the countries are large, and there's no, uh, there's typically no rail system, so you're having to fly. Or, I mean, you can drive, but I mean, 
I think statistically it's like eight out of the top ten most dangerous countries in the world are between here and Colombia. So, really? oh yeah. I mean, if you look at some of the most violent countries in the world, you got you know El Salvador, which I think has the highest uh, murder rate in the entire world. Um, then you have you know countries like you know Colombia, Venezuela, uh, even Panama and Costa Rica. While they're like great to visit, like they're still dangerous. Like they're still real dangerous countries. Yeah, that's and, why, yeah. I'm surprised why more Americans don't want to come over here because it is way cheaper here. It is really nice. We got beautiful forests and. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, the travel's really easy in between cities and Europe, European cities and in Lithuania especially. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful country. So I really do hope you come over here. I, I, I will be. What, what, so what is, what's the city that you're, that you're in Lithuania? Uh, I just moved over to another city. It's called Klaipeda. It's, uh -huh. it's by the coastline because uh, whenever I choose where to go, I just some reason I'm used to living by the sea so that's yeah, good. Uh, yeah but the capital is uh, Vilnius and that's the, yeah. the main city and yeah all the action just happens there so how many people live in the city that you're in right now um, that's a good question I'd assume it's like slightly more than a hundred thousand okay so yeah, it's 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 one of the biggest cities, but but yeah, like in, in American standards, it's like tiny. Well, you know, like I'm I'm from a small town, like my, where I'm at right now. I'm in my this was my grandparents' old house that I renovated, and uh, my town's like fifty thousand people. So I'm I'm from a from a smaller town uh, as well. But no, I mean, in the in, and you think we have big cities in the U.S., but then you go to places like when you get down to Latin America, I mean, Mexico City is twenty five million people. Uh, I know Rio is well over ten. Um, my uh, my girlfriend's from Guayaquil, Ecuador. It's five million there, so they've got some massive cities in Latin America as well. And uh, you know, it's it's just life's just different, you know, in a, in a smaller town. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, there are pluses and minuses. There's like the nightlife is definitely not as good as in 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 a bigger city, but. Yeah. You get to know the people here way more. Like most people that you meet, you're gonna see them the other week or maybe at some point. It's just that's inevitable, and yeah, that's that is quite nice, I suppose. Yeah, so what? Are, so let me ask you this: What's the what's the cost of living in the town that you're in? Like, what do you what do you need to make uh, where you're living at to live a pretty decent life as a single guy? I mean, uh, it's way cheaper than than like uh, in America I don't know the average cost uh, I mean I'm paying very little for my place here it is quite small but it is uh, in the middle of, of the city so it's like in the old town and it's yeah. like uh, uh, yeah I'm paying like 200 euros per month for the for the place 200 euros per month yeah that's ridiculous isn't it that's crazy yeah yeah so that's what i keep telling people like from the uk and stuff like why don't you come over here like like everything's so different and yeah um yeah if you want a bigger apartment you'd pay more but but yeah it is it is really beautiful and for what's such a low cost yeah it's an awesome place to visit and it's a lot safer than a lot of places in latin america as well Oh, it's super safe. Like, yeah. like our crime rates are. I don't know the exact numbers, but they're. It's pretty really low. Yeah, 
And I mean, another upside, I'm not sure how the air travels right now, but, but the restrictions in Lithuania really, because of the whole pandemic and stuff are really, really low. So, so yeah, if you do find your way over here, like you can basically tra travel anywhere and do whatever you want. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'd like to talk about your ad cause that is, <laughs> that is special. And yeah, when I when I I told some people I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you on my podcast. That's what I showed. I showed them the ads. So so yeah, I I saw I saw you being interviewed on PS Morgan. And yeah. why don't you tell the the listeners about the ad? How did it come about? And yeah, how drunk were you when it came up with the idea? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, uh, I I don't know if you've ever heard of the book called The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm I'm a Tim Ferriss guy. I uh, had a corporate job for my last full time job after the military, and I quit it to pursue a more of a four hour work week type of lifestyle. And uh, you know, I wanted to travel and all that stuff. So um, I have a business partner named Chris McGuire, and him and I I had a digital marketing background, and he owned he has a couple online businesses. And anyway, it. For what we both knew about online marketing and stuff like that, we felt we were going to be a good fit to start our company because we, we never really set out to be a construction company. What we set out to do is, you know, uh, generate leads for roofing contractors and try to make money through online marketing, through roofing, because it's just it's very lucrative here in the U.S. Um, and a lot of and I'm sure it's the same way, you know, in all, all across Europe. You know, smart kids are not getting into the trades anymore. Like you don't have, you know, Billy that's, uh, you know, he may not be a straight A student, but he could be a, you know, a really good student. And he, no one's talking about him wanting to grow up to be a, a roofing contractor or, um, you know, being an electrician. Like it's, it's just not sexy today in 2020. And uh, so there's less and less really smart people getting into the trades. And we felt we could be a good fit for that. And so part of the way we wanted to, because um, we, we ended up deciding just to be a construction company. And so one of the ways we were going to do that was we wanted to be, so we still wanted to use our knowledge to dominate the local marketing in our area. And so uh, have you ever heard of the book, I Hope They Serve Beer and Hill? I've heard the name, but I don't know anything about it. No, they ended up making a movie about it. I mean, the movie was horrible, but the, the book is basically a, a collection of this guy named Tucker Max. He was a he was a lawyer. He was a lawyer at a, a junior a junior firm when he wrote the book. But the regardless the, the, about the book, it was uh, no one wanted to publish it when he first uh, when he first wrote it, and he finally found someone to publish it once. The guy that published it was just like, hey, I'll publish the book, but I'm not going to do any marketing towards this. Like, it's up to you. Well, he didn't have a lot of money because he was a junior lawyer making probably zero dollars a year. And so he used what's called um, guerrilla marketing techniques, which is you know fairly common now. Uh, but he was kind of the first person to really use guerrilla marketing. And what they did was is they made, you know, his book was controversial as it was. And what they would do is they would, he would have his buddies call like all these big churches and tell them like how awful the book was. And then they would call, uh, you know, bookstores and tell them how great it was. And anyway, they were just basically starting controversy 
based on this book because you know they had so many people that were using the extremes um and so a lot of you know news stations started picking it up uh these big massive like mega churches were talking about it until wait what was the book about what's that what was the book about um so he was it's basically just a memoir of his days when he was in college and in law school of him and his buddies just going out like you know, banging girls and getting drunk and uh, getting in fights and just just all kinds of stuff. I mean, it, it was just like it was basically like a book of debauchery. And but I mean, it was great for like you know young single guys to read and stuff like that. And uh, because because the the stuff in the book was so honest about like what really happened. You know, there wasn't like I mean it was. All this stuff is, I mean, it's, it's a pretty, I mean, it's, it's a hilarious book, but I mean, it's pretty, uh, it's a, like I said, it's a book about the lottery with a bunch of guys in college and stuff like that. Well, um, you know, we do have, especially where I'm from, is very, very conservative here. So, um, but anyway, it just went, it went mega viral. And this is before, you know, really the internet took off. And, but he was on these massive, you know, news stations and stuff like that. And it was basically, if you just create controversy, I, first off, I hate the media. Uh, like I, I cannot stand the media. I hate, you know, especially I mean, for the U.S. It's awful. Yeah, I think but, it's the same thing everywhere. Like I don't know anyone now who likes the media anywhere in the world. Like maybe in China. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, they have to. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah. it, it's just we. It, it, and, and so that was kind of the idea was we wanted, we didn't have much of a budget. We wanted to start our company with, uh, without taking loans out or anything. So Chris is the one who originally came up with the idea of us doing a, uh, uh, like a viral ad. And so we, we'd, we kind of came up with a few ideas. Like we use drones a lot to inspect roof, roofing projects and stuff. And so he had an idea, maybe us like staging, like two people having, like having sex, them not really having sex, but just make it look like they were having sex. And us catch it on dr our drone footage and send it to all the, the local uh, news stations. Because not only you get instant business when that happens, but you also get what, what we really wanted was the social media backlinks. And the backlinks for you, uh, for them writing you know, stories on their posts and stuff. Because that's all that stuff is SE that's just great for SEO for your business to rank high on Google. So... Anyway, we were, we were, it was the summer three years ago, and it was actually July 4th, you know, our Independence Day uh, three years ago. A couple days before that, I said, man, I saw this guy in Colorado do this ad called Get a Roof, Get a Gun. And he's like, what? And I said, yeah. And I was like, he was, uh, so basically what I'm saying is I stole that idea from someone else. Uh, I saw, I saw this guy, he, he was kind of, um, he just wasn't someone that was was very was going to market himself very well. But he did this ad called "Get a Roof, Get a Gun," and it got some very local media exposure, which was all we were wanting. We were just wanting local media exposure. And uh, Chris is like, "Listen, that's going to be illegal." And I was like, "Well, I looked it up, and it turns out he's not giving away. He's not like handing people a firearm. He's doing a gun gun voucher. Like they still got to sign up and like pass their background check and just get their rifle and stuff." But it's legit. Like it's like, it's like a thing. Yeah. So I told him, I said, you know, I, I just, I feel like we could do that, but do it better and do it with video. And, um, so that's how the idea came about. And then we, was, then we knew July 4th was coming up pretty soon. I'm a veteran. Um, so everything kind of just 
kind of came together at the right time and it was his idea. So I, I originally, when I shot the video, um, I was like, we were getting ready to shoot. It was like, it was so, man, it was so hot outside. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've been to the, the South, the Southern part of the United States during the summer, but it's miserable hot. No, it's like, true. it's like 34, 35 degrees Celsius with like 80% humidity. I mean, it's like you're in the jungle, you know, it's just hot and humid. And I'm just pouring sweat, like we're getting ready to shoot. And I don't have, I don't have my shirt on yet. And he was like, but I got the little shorts on and the boots and the cowboy hat. And he was like, he's like, hey, he's like, I think you should shoot the video without the shirt. And I was like, fuck no, I'm not, I'm not shooting, I'm not shooting this without a shirt. Because I mean, I, I was in shape, but I hadn't really been working out like I had been. And uh, I was like, I'm not shooting this without a shirt. He's like, I'm telling you, you should do it without the shirt. So uh but yeah then we shot it uh and we launched it and within probably well, on july 4th we launched it that morning and within like like an hour we had like a hundred thousand views on on facebook already and uh my i started getting calls from all these local well i'll say local they were you know like regional and statewide uh news outlets and stuff and that's when i knew like it was about to go mega viral yeah, at the time of shooting, though, did you think it was gonna get that viral? Well, what's funny is, you know, like I shot the video. We shot it on an iPhone, and I used a ten dollar app to do the do all the editing and I, all the sound effects and stuff. Were I was literally at my parents' house, and while I was editing the video, they helped me put in the you know the sound effects and stuff. So I mean, it was literally uh, done about as as. And if you notice, when we shot it, we shot it vertical um instead of horizontal like we should have um so i mean it was just like i mean it was literally an iphone like i wasn't even you know where i wasn't mic'd up or anything like that or we didn't have any external mics it was literally my partner chris holding an iphone and i was shooting this video and there was little that was our second take like we didn't go through a lot of takes i i was you know i'm someone that i just kind of i'm better when i can wing it and uh you know, so we knew that we, we knew it was going to be really good. We knew it was going to do really well in our, our local community and stuff. But we never had any expectations that it was going to do what it, did, what it ended up doing. Yeah, I think all of these things added up just because of your enthusiasm and all of these little aspects because it wasn't so professional, just had a really good idea. And yeah, everything added up. Uh, yeah, you, you, you got interviewed by Piers Morgan. How was that? How was he? Well, I got the call to, um, I was actually, I was climbing up on a roof and, uh, so I was wearing those, you know, over the phone, headphone or the, over the ear uh, headphones. So, cause I was climbing up to, to inspect roofs and, uh, but I would take phone calls on, on my headset. And so I answered the phone and it was, you know, some, some girls like, ah, oh, this is blah, blah, blah from, from IJTV and, and so anyway, she's telling me about someone wants to interview me and I couldn't understand what she was saying because I was, you know, up on a roof somewhere and we got all these media requests. And so um, I was like, well, if you, if you don't mind, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm working today. Can you just send an email and I'll look over it when I get back? But I heard something about Good Morning Britain and something, but I, that's all I, all I remember hearing. And then my partner called me right afterwards and he was like, yeah, we got any media requests today. And I said, yeah. I said, I got a call from somebody in the UK. I was like, it was a London phone number. And um, they were wanting something about Good Morning 
Britain or I was like, I was like, I was like, there's no way. Cause they, you know, I knew that if they said good morning, Britain, it had to be like good morning America. Um, that we have in the U S which is a, a massive program. And, uh, he was like, who did they say that you were, they were going to interview you? And I said, man, it's so like, I think Morgan was in the name and he, he stopped talking and he was like, Oh my God. He's like, I, there she's talking about Piers Morgan, and the first time he said his name, it didn't it didn't catch, and he's like, "Is that Piers Morgan?" And then I was like, "Oh my God, Piers Morgan!" And I was like, well, "You know, this is a big deal." So anyway, I went back and watched some of the videos that he had did with like uh, Alex Jones and Ben Shapiro and some of these you know more Second Amendment supporters and gun right people and. Uh, I realized really quickly he does not support the Second Amendment in the U.S. and us having firearms, particularly AR-15s. That's like his all-time, I don't say all-time, but I know that is a subject he hates. He hates AR-15s and all that stuff. So when when I called to accept the interview, I knew that I had to like have my shit together because he was about to, to come after me. Yeah, was it your idea to hold the firearm at the beginning of the video, or did they ask you to do that? So I was a little drunk during the interview. I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, because it's, it's I don't know if you've done one of the done one of these before, but it's pretty uh, uh it's pretty nerve wracking because you because all you have is the so you have the earpiece in, and then you're just talking to a camera, so you can't see them at oh, all. Really? No, because because there's a delay because you're live. I mean, this is you know these are live broadcasts, so there's a there's a delay. Because basically they shoot, and then of course there's a delay from wherever you're shooting from to their studio, and then also they have you know a, a small delay because of you know it's a place I say fuck on yeah. there they can they can edit that out. Um, so there's a slight delay, so they don't they don't allow you to see them. So it's almost like you're taking a phone call with just, you know, an earpiece in. And then when you like on that for that interview, I had two people talking at once. And so it's, you know, and then plus, like you can act like it's a phone call, but you know that literally millions of people are listening to every single word that you're saying and you're getting broadcast, you're facing it broadcast up on the screen. So anyway, I uh, we got there. And I want to say it was I want to say it was the news station that requested that we had that we bring the AR. I want to say they requested it. Some reason and, uh, I also didn't think it was your idea, but that they wanted to add to the experience and ask you to do that. Yeah, like I said, I was I, I brought a bottle of whiskey with me, so I was a little little lit by the time the interview started. I mean, I don't know about the whiskey, but do you regret having the firearm at the beginning or, or nah? <laughs> I don't regret anything on the video. The, the funny thing is, you know, my, my company, we mainly do work for the U.S. government now. So we mainly do federal government contracting and the projects are just they're bigger and they're a bigger dollar amount. And uh, I, I always hope that no one sees it prior to giving us the contract because uh, yeah, some of these are you know fairly substantial contracts, and like for me, if I'm about to hand someone over a lot of money to do something for me, I don't want like the cool, flashy, funny guy. I want the boring, you know, contractor that just does his job. That's what I want. Yeah. So, um, 
so for all the good it's done for our company and stuff like that, don't get me wrong, it's, 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 it's been a blessing. There are, you know, obviously some, some you know, negative sides to it as well. And then plus you get typecast and, you know, as being a certain type of person when, when most people actually meet me, you know, I feel like I'm a fairly, you know, intelligent guy and uh, have an education and stuff like that. So uh, I think a lot of people don't, they, when they meet me and they don't know me personally, they, they expect that I'm going to be this like wild, crazy, like, cowboy redneck uh which you know i'm still from alabama and i still like to go out and shoot guns and hunt and stuff like that but uh this doesn't necessarily fit my overall persona no you sounded very intelligent in that interview i think that's what kind of surprised pierce because he saw you with the gun and he thought it'll be an easy win and then when you started talking like no <laughs> yeah Man, I, I think that contrast was actually quite clever <laughs> Well, dude, I'll be honest with you. I watched, uh, I watched a lot of his, uh, I watched a lot of the videos with him, with Ben Shapiro and Alex Jones and some of these other guys. So I, could, I knew what to expect, but I, I knew that that's what he, he had me on for. Is he wanted, he was expecting this just you know big dumb redneck for him to roast about AR-15. So I, I, I tried to be as prepared as, as possible for him. You know what sucks though? Was, I, I'm sure you watched the YouTube video and not the live recording. The YouTube video leaves out uh, a good portion of the interview, like four minutes of the interview. And I I stuck his ass a few times um, and then it put it on the YouTube video. And so I was uh, a little frustrated about that because, just because like I can't remember what how he phrased it. because I don't have a copy of the, the original interview, but he he was talking about something about UK, like troops in the UK and stuff. And I was like. I lived with when I was in, when I was at home in Providence. I lived with the British military, and for six months, every single British soldier, sailor, airman, marine that came into Afghanistan had to go through my training course. So, like, I knew a lot of British people, and I was on a British documentary back ten years ago uh, called Young Soldiers. Um, so, like. You know, I, I'm very, and plus my family heritage is, is English, so um, it was just funny that. Uh, and I, and I, anyway, I got his ass really good on the interview, and then again, they didn't put it put it on there, so I was a little. No, it was on the live. Again, it was on the live broadcast. It just wasn't on the YouTube video they released afterwards. I mean, it makes sense for them to cut cut it out. He got roasted by so many people, like Ben Shapiro, on this issue. So, like, <laughs> it makes sense for them to try to, yeah. you know, leave the parts where he looks. The, the most reasonable I suppose but yeah sure. I mean he's an interesting guy because on some hi on some issues I think he's spot on like he's on some issues he relies on like facts statistics and stuff like that but this one it seems more of a like gut feeling like not like an emotional response not really like looking at the facts and uh, that's a bit of disappointing I suppose yeah, and I like and I like Pierce as well. I mean, I I think I've watched he he was in an interview recently that I watched him on. I can't remember who's who who's with. It, it was him being the It was him being interviewed, and I thought he was exceptionally well thought. Um, like all of his responses were very well thought out. Um, he was, you could tell it was like a very dressed down, honest interview with who Pierce Morgan really is. So it's not like I, I dislike him. Uh, hell, I'd love to meet the guy someday, but you know. Um, but you know, at the same, same time, if you're in TV and you're in the news business, part of your job is entertainment. You know, that's unfortunately the world we live in today. Yeah. And I feel like if you don't live in the U S 
like the gun issue like elicits a really emotional response and so yeah. that's what he was going for i think and yeah i mean i'm glad that you stuck it out and yeah you, you did well i think thanks but yeah um so yeah let's let's maybe go back to your your military experience because that's like the ad but also your your whole life journey really fascinates me um, sure. so yeah you spent you didn't spend too much time but you did spend quite a bit of time in afghanistan you did get to see combat like what what impact do you think it had on your on your psyche like what impact did you do you think it had on your mental health uh i think uh perspective um you know which i i have the uh now i've had the more freedom to to travel, but I was 20, 25, first time I went to Afghanistan. It was the first time I'd been uh, really outside of the United States um, and particularly into it. When we first, I know when the, when we first invaded Afghanistan, um, Afghanistan was the third poorest country in the world. And so for me, I, I'll never forget, you know, we flew into Nate, we flew into, um, it's funny the, the the acronym is KIA, which we normally use for killed in action, but it stood for Kabul International Airport. So we flew. I thought it was their airport. I thought it was a like their airport. We kind of had just kind of taken over, but it turned. We built that entire landing strip in the airport, and it was we took there was a base that we built, and it had and that base had a lot of international, a lot of Europeans on it, like which is cool because you could see you go to like. Um, a lot of the European, uh, like would have uh, their little stores and stuff like that, like the European military. And so I, I could go buy like really cool stuff from, you know, all over the world, you know, that was happened to be there. And uh, so we first flew into there and uh, we'd spent like a, almost a week in uh, Kuwait before we deployed uh, to Afghanistan. It was kind of our staging area before we came because it's a long flight for us because uh, literally on the other side of the world. And I'll never forget we on our combo. And again, we're getting picked up in like these up armored SUVs, uh, which was just different than what I thought it was going to be like. Uh, I thought we were going to be picked up in these big, you know, vehicles like we call it MRAPs. And next thing I know, the guys show up like it's like these suburbans the, for us to take us back to our base because that's the job we were going to be doing. And uh, the gates opened up for the first time, and then you're out in wild country. So we so Kabul, Kabul was where I first went to, which was, was of course the capital. I think I think the capital of Kabul at the time had like four million people, and you out and you're on these you know kind of paved streets, but they're dirt streets too, and like you see real poverty for the first time, and not only just real poverty, but you saw you know a country that's basically in constant war for you know thirty plus years, and. It was, I'll never forget, you know, when the gates open, we'd go out. And I remember asking one of the guys, uh, you know, we were riding with him, they'd been there for about a year. And I said, what's the, so what's the overall consistence for the Afghans? Do they like us? Do they not like us? And as we, as we did that, uh, there was a group of kids and they knew that like the vehicles were our vehicles, obviously, because like Afghans were sitting driving around, you know, suburbans. And there's a group of kids and like two kids were waving, you know, there's like you know, seven or eight kids, two kids were waving, two kids were giving us the bird, like, fuck you. And then 
you know, the other kids were just kind of sitting there. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess it's kind of a mixed bag. Some of them like it, some of them don't, and some of them really don't give a shit. And that's really like how most of the Afghans were. Um, but, you know, just spending spending time there, I mean, I feel like I, I gained a lot. Uh, it was actually hard for me to leave because I really believed in the mission that we were doing in Afghanistan. Uh, but for me, it was just the perspective that you got on life and how lucky you are to be born in a certain area. Because if you're born in poverty in Afghanistan, bro, it is hard to overcome that. Yeah. You know, versus you, you know, you and I are from countries that are liberated, that you can be born into poverty and you can be a billionaire if you want to. I mean, that, that's possible for us. And if you're born into, uh, not only just even in Kabul and Korea, if you're born um, in certain areas where, you know, the Pashtu, uh, which were the predominant uh, ethnic uh, ethnic um, people in Afghanistan, I mean, guys like me and you, it's very easy for, for you to consider, like, to see yourself, like, going and being, you know, part of the Taliban, just because you don't know any better, you you, you become a product of your environment, and uh, it sucks, man. War, even though I, you know, you know I got, a, I, I feel like I got a really positive experience and overall just perspective on life after serving time there. Um, war sucks, man. And anybody who uh, is like super pro war has never been in one. And if they have and they still feel that way, um, there's probably something wrong with them. Yeah, I mean. That's a great way to, to depict all those. And yeah, the perspective is must be huge. Um, yeah, I'm just guessing. Uh, is there any chance you would have supported Tulsi Gabbard if she was still in the race for US? Because she was big anti-war candidate. Uh, you know, I, I feel like there's... Uh, I try to be... So I, I lean typically a little bit right on the political spectrum. I typically vote Republican in the US. Not so much because because I'm I actually have a pretty pretty liberal personal views of the world uh, in terms of um, socially I would say I'm I'm pretty would fall liberal but um, I'm a diehard capitalist I don't I don't like uh, I'm not a big socialist and communist type of person I don't I don't I don't feel like giving the government you know the full control is is the best way to live but um, someone like her um, I feel like she was a little bit too too extreme, you know, I, I, I really like to have people, you know, kind of in the middle. The, pro the problem is, is that, you know, we've got the world's largest military and you just come out and you say, it's kind of like the people who say, we want to get rid of the guns in the U.S. We want outlaw guns. Well, you, you, you can't. We have more firearms than, than human beings in the United States. Like I've got, I don't know, I don't even know how many guns I have. I've got like 10 or 12. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. And that, and, and for for a lot of guys like me, that's that's common. Like I've got so many guns, I don't even know how many I have. So there's not really any going back. So when you have girl, when you have uh, when you have someone like her who's very anti-war, you you have the world's most powerful military. You can't just like get rid of it overnight. But I, I do feel like it, it's important to have people like her in government, though, to balance out the super people on the other side of the spectrum. So, you know, I do feel I don't feel like she'd be a candidate I would support, but I do feel like she'd be a candidate. It's uh, it's important to have people like her. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I also agree. I 
Although I think she's way better than any of the current choices that that she would have to make. But but the thing, yeah, she also I think br would bring the perspective because she served in the military and and um yeah I think that's huge. Like from all the democratic candidates, I think she would have the most experience in this stuff and and maybe her solutions wouldn't be the gr wouldn't be the greatest, but. I mean, you'd know where they're coming from, like she thought mm. out about it, and like, sure. it's not just what, I don't know, her supporters want her to do, so. No, I, I liked her. I thought she was a good candidate. I mean, um, I, I'll be interested to see who Biden picks as his running mate. She would be obviously a strong candidate. I don't know that she would join, but short of her or perhaps Michelle Obama, there's just zero zero chance they they beat trump or biden's going to beat trump the only way that happens again is if michelle obama or her is his running mate that's the that's the only only chance they have of, of unseeing trump from office i mean if he picks like un, uh, if he yeah i think he has other good picks that like he could do like i mean if he just sits out and lets another guy like I was uh, a big fan of Andrew Yang. Do you know him? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like, uh, I don't think he's gonna pick him, but if he were to pick him, and then he would do all the talking, and Biden would just sit somewhere in the corner, I think that would be a like a possible combo that could win. But, but Trump will Trump, yeah. Trump will steamroll him if even if that's the even if that's the the combo. I mean, Trump would definitely uh, destroy Biden, but. I don't know if he would destroy like Andrew Yang on specific issues, at least. Like, no, no, no. But the problem is, is he's not going to be up on stage during these debates and stuff like that with Biden. And it's just, you know, it's uh, with them go with them, with the Democratic Party choosing Biden. Uh, it's just, in my opinion, it's not going to happen. You know, and to be honest with you, I, I um, I've I've started doing this over the last like few years. I really, I, I call it selective ignorance. Like, for instance, I'm an American citizen. We vote for our president once every four years. And it takes about an hour by the time you park your car, get in line, and make sure you're registered to vote, and then vote. So out of, out of four years, I spend one hour electing this person. This morning, I can wake up and... You know, whether it be President Obama or Hillary Clinton, for that matter, or Donald Trump. But I, I really feel like no matter who our president was, president is at the moment, I would it would not change. It would not really affect my personal life any if I had no idea who it was. Yeah, I mean, it is a popularity contest, so there's no other really way to do it, I suppose. I don't know. We just have a big, we just have a big government, and then on top of that, there's we. And this is one of the misconceptions about the U.S. I'm one that a lot of people know. Like our state governments have a lot of power, um, and so we don't we don't necessarily have a, a very large. Even though the TV makes it look like we have a very large uh, federal government, because we do have a big military and stuff like that. But the actual power the the federal government on the on your everyday living as a person in the U.S. is very little. You're more control, way more controlled by your state government, and local governments. So, I mean, it's important who our president is because obviously they're our commander in chief to our military, and um, you know they do have some executive power. But I mean, it, there's just so much power that they don't have uh, due to our Senate and our Congress. Uh, but it's a sexy subject for yeah. TV. 
you know, so, but it, that, that's it, even for a lot of American people, like I have this conversation with them. I'm like, why do you care so much about the U.S. president when like what he can do is literally almost nothing to your personal life. But then, you know, your local elected officials literally do have a far more, you know, uh, prevalent impact on your on your life. Than you know, than the president. This is what you spend all your time on. So I, I've just actually, to be, to be honest with you, I've. This is probably the last two years I've probably spent less time than I ever have about like anything political. And I and I even I haven't even thought about running for public office, but I just um, I just don't know if I'd want that type of personal intrusion, you know. Yeah, I feel you. Um, I mean, the same thing here for myself. Like, it literally makes zero impact who you choose for president, but it's just for show. Just sure. to look at you and, like, see you battle it out. So, yeah, that's, like, most of the world is looking. Like, if you're not in the U.S. and you're panicking about who's going to be your president, like, that's that's totally an overreaction. Just, I'd suggest enjoy the show. <laughs> Bro, I, 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 was, I lived in Mexico City last year. And I literally had Mexicans would, would ask every once a, once a blue moon, they would ask, they would talk to me about U.S. politics. And anytime I ever engaged with Mexicans about U.S. politics, they were friendly, understanding. Um, I mean, they were just just very just interested, you know, which, whether they agreed with me or not. They were just very interested, never rude. Um, but then if I would talk to someone who was American or European, man, like I had this one guy, because uh, I voted for Trump, and I don't mind you know, telling people that, um, but I was out at this, I was out at this uh, pool hall with one of my buddies, like this really nice, like, you know, pool hall, and we were playing, and we were playing, and there was this guy from Wells, and he was, uh, I can't remember how he started the conversation. Anyway, he was just very, very confrontational about about the movie. So my buddy and I were playing, we, we were out with a group of people. Uh, most of the group of people were uh, Europeans and Americans, we were the, the guys I was out with. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of the European guys were, you know, British in some way or another, whether they were Welsh, English, Scottish, whatever. And so my buddy and I played pool with this guy from, that was Welsh and another guy that was from, um, I can't remember, I think he was German. But anyway, so he was like, oh, yeah, we're going to kick these Americans' ass. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I'm, like, I'm an easygoing guy, man, you know. So we start playing pool, and he starts trying to bait me in and talk about U.S. politics and stuff. And I'm like, hey, bro, uh, I don't do politics, so, you know, like, we'll just let's just play pool, man, talk about whatever else. Anyway, he kept on and kept on and kept on. Well, then he goes to, to break one game, and he's like, here's for Bernie. He's a big Bernie Sanders supporter, and he misses the ball like completely misses the cue ball. And so I was like, here, I'll break him. As a joke, as a joke, I was like, this is for Trump. And I, you know, brought for the table. And he's like, I fucking knew it, mate. I knew you were a fucking Trump supporter, you know, and like just started in on me. And I was like, bro, I was like, I told you, like, I'm not, like, I'm not engaging in the conversation. But he kept on and kept on and kept on. And finally, like, I'm only poked so many times before I'm going to say something. And I was like, I was like, where, I was like, where are you? I was like, where the fuck are you from? He's like, Oh, I'm from, I'm, I'm Welsh. I'm like, 
how does that impact you whatsoever who are presidents? Like, you're not American, so I don't really give a shit, like, what your thought on our country is. I mean, that's cool. You can have your opinion, but you don't have to be so goddamn combative about it. And anyway, so then he keeps on, and I was just like, you know what? So if it wasn't for us, I was like, your grandparents would have a schnitzel shoved in their mouth by the Germans, so you're fucking welcome. Yeah, that's a good that was kind of a conversation. But it was like, you know, I'm not that guy. Like, I'm not, I'm not rude. If you don't, if you don't, like, if you don't like Trump or if you didn't like President Obama, that's cool with me, man. Like, you don't have to like them and stuff like that. You know, I, I get that. Uh, you know, that it's it's in, it's kind of like soap opera, or our our politics are kind of like soap opera for the world. And uh, you know, and so I, I get that people care about it and stuff like that, and. And don't get me wrong, I think it's cool that people care, you know, about our politics and stuff like that. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's our country and things that were like, for instance, you guys just have different laws than we do. You know, there's just things that are different about the U.S. Um, that, you know, unless you live here and you let unless you've been here for a long time, it just may not apply. So anyway, uh I, I personally was uh, a big um, – shit, what's his name? He ran last year. He's one of the Republican candidates. Uh, uh, Kersich, Kasich, Kasich. I was a big Kasich fan because he had actually worked uh, – he had actually served in office with a um, uh, Democratic office for quite some time. So he, I thought he was a good Republican candidate because he kind of – he was in the middle about a lot of things. Really smart guy too, and uh, but it's just unfortunately, man, it's just not. He wasn't sexy enough. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. So it is. It is exciting to talk about about your country's politics, but yeah, once you get emotional about this stuff, like it's yeah, high, like <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's just like there's no reason like it because at the end of the day, like you and I have very little control even me i get one vote like my vote doesn't count any more than anyone else's so my one vote that i go make a year i mean it's uh you know it, it, i mean obviously it's a big deal that's what we're you know we fight for for democracy but at the end of the day it's like i get one vote i mean your interview for instance on ps morgan i think it had quite a bit of impact like about if people were in the middle like whether they should support gun rights or not like i think yeah. it's way into your di direction i think so you do have yeah. quite a bit of impact like you do have a good following so well i mean if you if you look at countries let's just use like mexico for instance mexico uh for three decades now dealt with drug cartels they basically you know for a lot there are a lot of places in mexico they dealt with basically a, a war inside their own country and uh but it's it's illegal to have guns in mexico so do you you know you sit there and look would the country be safer right now if you gave all the good people weapons too because the cartels i mean they run the they run the show in a lot of these areas in mexico and i and i mean i've been all over mexico i drove all the way through mexico and I mean, uh the bad guys already have the guns so like, exactly yeah yeah not so I found Mexican people. I, out of all the people that I've met, uh, like I've, you know, because I've, I've been to several countries now, I felt like Mexican people are some of the nicest people I've ever met. S super, super friendly people, just r really helpful. 
And uh, and it sucks because you know they 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 deal with some they deal so much violence you know so like you said they, the bad guys already have the guns like what 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 if they had the same laws that we have in the United States would 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 the conditions improve in a lot of these areas in Mexico when you got you know the good people who who have guns too and can protect themselves I don't know yeah I mean I thought I think something needs to change and maybe they'll they'll sway in the positive direction. I, I thought I was going to get uh, a little, slightly political because I do enjoy talking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's so, fine. But this is sort of mostly nutrition-related channel, so let's sure. let's also dig into into that stuff as well. Um, I, I'm not sure how much you care about nutrition, but I've seen you experiment with fasting on your YouTube channel. That's yeah. something you like to do. Where did you where did you find the benefits of it? Who told you that? Yeah, I've done uh, I've done two week long fast uh, before. Um, yeah, nutrition nutrition and stuff is, is very very uh, very very important to me. Um, plus, I like to do some like extreme stuff just to like see if I can do it. And uh, so, really, with the fasting, I've had a lot of people you know ask me about fasting uh, since I did that because I, I started doing intermittent fasting back a few years ago, and I had really good really good experience in intermittent fasting and. Um, I can't remember one of my buddies had done it. He did a, like a six day water fast. And so when I was coming back from, oh, I was getting ready to go to Mexico last year. I just felt, I'd been lifting a lot and stuff like that, but I just felt like heavy. I'd just gotten back from a trip to Cuba where I walked a lot. Like I was, you know, I walked everywhere around Cuba and I was, I was probably like 95 to a hundred kilos at the time. And I just felt like worn down you know after the after that trip to cuba because i walked so much and i was like i don't want to be this because i knew i was going to be traveling all last year i don't i didn't want to be big and be traveling so the fastest way to lose a bunch of weight is just not to eat and so i just literally just weaned a water fast um and so of course i started doing more research as i was doing it um but really what i got out of the, the fasting yeah i mean you lose a lot of weight um and i the first time I did it, I think I may have passed a worm. That, wait, what, what does that mean? Uh, defecated a oh. worm. Because after like four days, like you kind of empty what was what you have left in your body. And you're just, you know, when you do a bowel movement, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's normally just water or whatever's left. But there, there's been, there's a lot of studies that have shown that if you stop eating food and then then anything that's living inside of you, like any parasites or anything like that, now they don't have a food source because they're not, they're not eating your food that you're digesting. And like I said, I can't, I can't 1,000% say that, because it was kind of like one of those things, like obviously I'm not trying to see what's going on down there after a few days because it does get a little, because a lot of, lot, of a lot of the stuff that you're defecating is it's just fat because your body's you know, ridding itself with fat that you're living off of. And I, but I'm about 95% sure I saw a worm, a pretty good size worm, like swirling down. And uh, so that was that was that was kind of weird. But uh, but I, you get a lot of mental uh, mental benefits from doing the the water fast, man. It's just uh, when you sit there and deprive yourself from food, because food's like. It's a big deal, and it's something we, we spend a lot of time throughout the day uh, doing. You realize like how much time you spend with food throughout the day, uh, but I feel like the mental benefits that you get from doing a water fast is pretty. 
I, like I'm not a very like religious person or anything like that, but I definitely feel like it's like a spiritual experience. You just, and, and there's, I mean, there's dudes that do these like 20, 30, 40 day fasts and stuff. I don't know that I'm ever ready to do one. I'd, I'd maybe do a 10 day one, but um, in the right environment, like maybe out like out in nature or something like that, I'd do a 10, 10 day or, but, uh, but I really think that there's a lot of, um, if you're a healthy and you know your, your doctor approves it or whatever. I, th- I feel like everybody should should do one because I think you just get a different perspective on on things and you just deprive yourself from food. Have you done? Have you done ever done one of these? Yeah, the longest one I've done was a couple of days, like forty eight hours, uh, or was it seventy two hours? No, I think it was actually seventy two hours. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that was that's still way more than the usual person would do. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah the mind, the cognitive benefits and the spiritual experience is definitely a thing. Like because I'm, fasting has been a part of so many religions. Like yeah. uh, so, there must be a reason for that. I I just wrote an article about keto and fasting, and I would talk like how almost every single religion had fasting in it for like different reasons but yeah yeah that's that's fascinating um yeah what about what about your diet um i'm kind of low-carb diet i suppose i don't think it's vegan no no (laughs) although i did do vegan for six months i i I suffer from gout and I've, i've tried everything like recalibrate my diet over the years to try to uh reduce my gout flare ups and so I did, I did vegan for six months, hated it. Um, and I, I, it got to a point too, like my gout flare ups were going on, but I said I was going to do six months and I just wanted to see if I could do it at that point. And, uh, and I did, uh, and I like some vegan dishes. It's just, I, I'm a, I'm a meat eater, man. So, I, so I've done paleo was probably what, I was doing CrossFit probably six days a week and I was five to six days a week and I was doing probably about an extra like hour of heavy weightlifting um, after, you know, after my uh, CrossFit workout and doing paleo. That was probably the best shape I ever was in. I was, I mean, I was, a, I was jacked, um, ripped six pack. Um, I felt really good doing paleo and I did, I did intermittent fasting when I did paleo. And so I would do six, paleo days on and then I do one day on so on Sunday I would just like pick out on pizza and burgers and you know whatever else that I didn't eat throughout the week and it was a really good I felt like it was a really good um balance of me still being able to you know eat some things I like to eat but then but it, the, the paleo diet in general for me was very beneficial um because I enjoyed I enjoyed fruits I really like to eat fruit uh, I really like to eat nuts. And I really like to eat meat. So uh, then I did, in the beginning of this year, I started doing carnivore diet. Oh, nice. And uh, because I, I have I have a few friends of mine um, that are doctors. And one of my buddies in particular is someone that I did CrossFit with. And he was he's always been really big in health and nutrition. And he did... Um, and he's been doing car- he's been doing carnivore for like two years, two three years. And I called him and I just like so tell me about this carnivore thing. And he, you know, I'm no plot positive blood type, and he said, you know, it's a perfect match for someone who wanted to do carnivore. And anyway, he just goes to the whole you know the whole spill about carnivore and 
why eating certain plants aren't necessarily good for you and this, that, and the other. And um, anyway, just it made a lot of sense. I'd say, you know, I thought he was a really smart guy. So I did carnivore uh, for about four months. And now I'm doing more of a, a very meat heavy uh, paleo ish diet, is kind of what I'm eating right now. This is my, my, this is my girlfriend from Ecuador moved in with me. And it wasn't really fair to her to, she doesn't, she likes meat, but she doesn't, you know, like to eat meat at the quantity I do. And so, it was a little unfair to her for uh, you know me to sit there and be like, all right, I'm just gonna eat you know steak for every meal, and she wanted to like cook things for me and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, now I'm, I'm back, kind of doing more of like a paleo, meat heavy paleo diet. Yeah, for some reason I do think like for your style kind of would, would suit you. I like uh, don't know why, but yeah, I mean I think you'd also you also must have. I've done kind of a couple of, for a couple of months. Yeah, yeah, and now, like, I mean, my current diet is like carnivore-ish, like uh, it's just heavy meat with uh, some vegetables that I like, but mostly I get all the nutrition from meat and like organ meats and stuff like that. But, really? Yeah, yeah, I, I do enjoy it and I, I like it for, for the simplicity and the, at least what I think the productivity that it, that it gives me, just because like it removes so much of uh, like uh, weight that I put on food like just yeah. mentally like I used to think what I'm gonna eat what I'm gonna eat and I'll literally just throw a steak on a pan and that's it like I don't need to think about it and, yeah yeah and the the hunger cravings are gone so yeah throughout the day I can just focus on my work and, and yeah it's uh, you do want a diet that I think is the best for your uh, yeah, generally just mental state and just productivity. I think going carnivore-ish, not necessarily like you can include some fruit and stuff like just, just uh, I don't know, make color, make it more colorful. But, but yeah, you guys traditionally eat a very meat-heavy diet, though, right? Yeah, I mean we do have uh, we do eat quite a bit of carbs as well because like uh, most of our like. Uh, traditional dishes do involve carbs i think it's because like we have really cold winters and like that's the thing just like to eat a bunch of like fat and carbs before i mean now it's not not really an issue but before it's like to get as much fat going before the winter so, like uh, we do have like potatoes are big in in lithuania so, so like uh, yeah most of the dishes do involve potatoes um, but yeah, it sounds sounds exciting. Um, so yeah, what's your what's your next big adventure? What's maybe a country that you'd like to visit? Never been? Well, you know, it's unfortunately you know the COVID's really shut down on my on my travel plans and stuff. But I, I wanted to come back this year to do new work anyway. Uh, I've got a project coming up in Virginia that I'm going to be leaving to go to in about three weeks. Um, but I'm planning on heading back to South America. I wanted I wanted to I want to finish off all the other, you know, countries in, in South America that I haven't been to. And uh, I want to be, I know I'm not going to be fluent in Spanish by the time I get finished, but I want to be at least like a um, conversational speaker in Spanish. Like I can speak Spanish and my girlfriend and I speak in Spanish, but I want to be um, to where I speak Spanish. Uh, pre that's, that's one of the things about, about Americans, man, that uh, when I meet people like you, um, how, many, how many languages do you speak? Uh, just native Lithuanian and English, and I mean some German, but really it's English and Lithuanian. 
But that that's like in the US, we speak one language. Yeah, it's true. You know, and it's like, and I've always said this, every European I've ever met, they speak their native language and they speak one other language really, really well. And then they, and then they normally can at least at the very minimum speak a little bit, you know, of another language well. You know, like for us, you speak a little bit of German. Like as an American, like if you if you're bilingual, if you speak, you know, English and Spanish, it's like, oh my god, like it's a big deal. You know, unless you're, you know, from Mexico or or you know, Colombia or wherever, and you've lived in the U.S. and you're a native Spanish speaker and learned English. But if you're a native English speaker and you learn another language, like people just don't do it. And um, I've always just like I'm very always very impressed when I meet, and that's one of the. the Things I, I feel like we just really suck in our education system is not, um, you know, not spending time, you know, with language arts and stuff and learning other languages. Because as you get older, it's, it's really difficult when you're in, like for me, learning Spanish in my 30s versus, you know, learning Spanish when I was a when I was a kid. So I think it's something that's really great. But yeah, I want I want to I want to continue to go through all of South America um, and finish off and finish off the rest of the countries. And like I said, I'd like to. Part of the reasons I also want my, my Spanish to improve enough to where I can uh, be conversational in Spanish. Cool, cool. Yeah, when you talk about perspectives, so definitely learning a new language gives you that. And yeah, we, we learn English uh, starting like second grade. That's yeah. all of my English and just watching all of your cartoons and stuff like that. That's, yeah. that's what taught me the language. But I'm really glad that, that I did learn it. and. Yeah, sounds cool. Where can where can people find you? Uh, well, I'm probably most active on my my Instagram page. It's just my name. It's just Zach underscore Blinkensaw. Um, I get some for whatever reason. I get a lot of fake profiles made lately, and trying to scam people out of money. So make sure that you look for the the, the blue check mark. I do have an Instagram channel. Uh, all my stuff is just my first and last name. It's just Zach Blinkensaw. So it's easy to find me because there's not a lot of Blinkensaws. So, yeah, and obviously you, know, you have. So, how how common is your uh, your your name in in Lithuania? Uh, I mean, my first name is quite common, but my last yeah. name is like no nobody has. It's not like in America where like the last names are so common, but mine yeah. is just yeah, few people. That's it. But yeah, I'm gonna. Have you, have you ever followed? Uh, have you ever followed a guy named Jocko in the U.S.? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, he's also a veteran. Yeah, yeah, I do watch yeah. some of stuff. When, when I saw your name first time, I thought of him. I thought it was, I thought it was good. Yeah, but so yeah, I'm gonna leave all all of your social media in the description. Um, yeah, and I'd like to ask you one more question. So yeah, you've clearly learned a lot throughout your career, like during the military times, the times when you were traveling. So. What's the number one thing that you would like to instill in the new generation? For example, if you took a troubled kid and you had one value that you would like him or her to carry, what would it be? Like if you had that opportunity? Uh, I think it would be to, to just just to think big, um, because I feel like there's so many people. Uh, if you if you talk to a lot of old people and they're dying, most of the, the number one thing that seems like is that it's an ongoing theme is they talk about regret about all the things they never did and you know I, I do talk to a lot of young people and what I always tell them is 
you know, think big. And if you, whatever your dream is to, to do, go, like, go try it. But you know, so many people are afraid of what other people think um, or what, what of them failing. Because you can always, like, go back to normal. Whatever, you know, normal is, uh, you can always go back to that. But it's if you never, like, give yourself really a chance to, like, see what else is out there, what other type of life you could live, you're just kind of stuck in the, you know, in the life that you're, that you're in. And you're going to be, a, you know, just a product of your environment, whether that's good or bad. But most of the people, you know, have an opportunity to go do other things. Well, that's awesome, man. And you definitely inspire people to do that by traveling to different places and yeah, showing people how people are different how governments are different and everything listen it was really fun talking with you it's definitely yeah, you too. yeah I'm, I'm definitely excited to have this chat and i wish you luck in all of your life's adventures everything you do so yeah thanks and take care thanks a lot buddy thanks for having me thank you